read a poem. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. And I'm Lauren. And oh, once again, aren't there poems to be read today? Who is going first? I usually go first, so why don't you go first? <gasps> I'm going first? Well, my material is going to be dated immediately, but I've been itching to talk about it with literally anyone. So All right, go for it. This week for me, it is The Farmer and the Queen by Shel Silverstein. She's coming, the farmer said to the owl. Oh, what shall I, what shall I do? Shall I bow when she comes? Shall I twiddle my thumbs? The owl asked, Who? (laughs) The queen, the queen, the royal queen, She'll pass the farm today. Shall I salute, he asked the horse. The horse said, Nay. Shall I give... (laughs) shall i give her a gift he asked the wren a lovely memento for her to keep an egg or a peach or an ear of corn the wren said sheep (laughs) but should i curtsy or should i cheer oh here is her carriage now what should i do he asked the dog the dog said Bow. And so he did, and so she passed. Oh, tra la 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 la. She smiled, she did, he told the sheep. The sheep said, Bah. All right, so why did you pick this poem? I'll give you three guesses, and the first two don't count. Oh, that's right. Okay. You have big news, don't you? Well, no, I, I I am now a permanent resident of Canada. That is some form of news. But I was... Man, the Queen is on a lot of Canadian things, isn't she? Well, that's because Canada has a Queen. Yeah, yeah, I know. Apparently she owns all the land here. That was a thing I would learn. Hmm. I'm actually a dual citizen, so technically I have a Queen being, with, <laughs> being a <laughs> dual citizen true. with Canada. But for the life of me, uh, the reason I picked this poem was because... Two weeks ago, I couldn't hear enough about how Meghan Markle and Prince Harry were talking to Oprah about how awful the royal family was. Mm -hmm. And I am going to be uh, what is commonly referred to as a victim blamer in this case. Okay. Um, Because... I am playing the role of Meghan Markle, and I am a once-divorced American individual of mixed-race heritage, and I am marrying into the British equivalent of the KKK. Like, these are the most racist individuals to ever live. Prince Philip has gone up to students in China and told them, don't stay here too long, you'll become all slitty-eyed. Wow. These are things that the royal family says in public. They say this in public. And then you are surprised when you have married into the most racist institution that exists. Now, it's not an institution that should be. I have no say. Well, I guess now. Oh, my God. I have a say in this now, don't I? Do you? Because I'm I'm a subject of the queen now. Oh, wow. 
Because suddenly I'm a resident of Canada. Okay, so now I can say, with impunity, the monarchy should be abolished and should have been abolished uh, approximately 150 years ago. Fair. My only question is, why do I have to hear about it? I feel like I'm not the best person to speak on this because I, being, growing up in the United States, I never paid very much attention to the royal British family. And so, uh, I mean, my mother is Canadian, so she cared about the British royal family, but it was always in a very gossipy sort of way. I have friends who are American that post, like back when there were like royal weddings, when the two princes, Harry and William and them were like getting married, they would have like watch parties for these things. It's a bit like watching, I think, like the Grammys or, or you know, uh, like big, any kind of big ceremony with where people, notable people and celebrities are doing something in which they are being recognized in some way. It's uh it's a lot of like pomp and circumstance and and everybody cares about what they're wearing. It's a lot about fashion and customs and things like that. Okay, this is making I mean they're just celebrities by blood. But that's the worst kind of celebrity. Like you've done nothing. When you tell me that the Grammys are occurring, I am mildly interested. Only in that I'm curious to see like what music makers I might have overlooked. Kind of the same way with the Oscars. Like, I'm interested in Oscars, but in the sense that here is a movie that is getting some degree of critical acclaim, and I've never heard of it. I can't tell you the last time I watched an Oscars. I've never watched a Grammys. As far as award shows go, I'm interested in who gets nominated and who wins. But when once the ceremony happens, you are kindly given a list on the internet. And you can go out and see, here's who won Best Comedy Album this year. Who's, here's who won Best Country Western. Here's who won Best R&B. And then I can go, oh, those are shows I should probably check out. Well, I mean, I think it has the similar appeal to Real Housewives or wherever or whatever. It's pe- people with a lot of money who have power only through having money for the most part, although it is codified in the Commonwealth government. And they have their squabbles and their in-groups and their out-groups and people like to watch. I love the idea that I am, say I am Meghan Markle, a D-list actress from America who is given the opportunity to become a literal princess. And I watch The Crown on Netflix and I say to myself, That's a dynamic that I want to be a part of. I think she was married before the crown happened. Oh, fiddlesticks. So she only had, you know, 50 years worth of infighting and the literal death by paparazzi of the most polarizing royal figure in the last hundred years to go on and say, yeah, that's something that I want to be a part of. I don't know what to tell you. I would nope right out of it, but... And the thing is, I would not. Like, Mm -hmm. if I was given that opportunity, I would marry directly into that, and I would marry Harry. Yeah, I mean, if you had to choose between the two, he's the clear choice. Oh, speaking to a bald man. (laughs) I don't... 
I mean, I, I just, I, I'm definitely the wrong person to talk about this. Is I just don't really care that much. I mean, I care about, I care about the situation with uh, Megan and Harry, and that I care about social dynamics and and racism and and misogyny and mental health concerns and things like that. So I care about it because it's bringing up important topics. But as far as the royal family is concerned, I just, you know, there's the only thing I have in it is a little bit of schadenfreude of, like, hating everybody else. <laughs> well, there one goes, I suppose. And most of it was just me wanting to, a lot, like, it's been weeks and I'm still hearing about it. Yeah, they don't talk about it as much in the United States. They, they were talking about it for, like, a few days and then they got over it. Oh, bless the United States. I mean, we don't have health care, but at least we don't care about the British royal family. <laughs> and in the end, it, what what trade-offs are you willing to pay for? <laughs> when I uh, got my Canadian citizenship, my mother gave me a little uh, royal family commemorative teacup and and saucer, and it was she wasn't really being very serious about it. It was it was just for kitsch value, and I appreciated it. Apparently, in uh, Canada. I would learn this is a thing in the States as well. If hmm. you write to an address, you are mailed a free portrait of the queen. Uh, I, I say this is a thing in the United States. You don't get a portrait of the queen. If you <laughs> if you mail to an address in the States, you are mailed a portrait of the then president. Ew, I wonder what the Trump one looked like. I can... Oh, the mind reels. Um, but <laughs> I heard about this. And they update it yearly. Like, you can get a, like, here is a portrait of the queen. And there's a nominal cost. It's mostly shipping. It's like 10 bucks or something. Oh, that's but, not really like, free at all. No, no, of course it's not. I mean, there's no such thing as a free lunch. But, you know, here is a portrait of the queen. And could I go online and print this off? Of course I could. But, you know, here's a portrait of the queen that you've just been given. Like, it feels very Kim Jong-il. Like, and now I'm going to hang up a portrait of the queen in my house. And so, of course, I really wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, because the, 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 that, that's so blasphemous and strange. Like, I loved it. And I was, I was like, I'm definitely hanging up a portrait of the queen. And my wife was like, we are not getting a portrait of the queen. And I was like, why not? And she was like, it costs $10. <laughs> Oh, what a and I was like, we spent. Uh, I was like, we spent ten dollars on like half of this meal last night. And she's like, we're not th- that. Co- no, we're not spending money on a picture of the queen. That's insanity. The presidential thing, I, I assume it is somewhat of a government function because a lot of different offices are are supposed to have a portrait of the president. Yeah, maybe the same <sighs> in the Commonwealth. All right, let's switch to yours. Oh right, yes. So I'm getting better about trying to time poems. So if they mention a date, we're actually on top of that date. But, Ooh, you goody. know, I've still left a few go through the cracks. All right. This is, oh, have you heard? And in some ways, it's more appropriate than ever. Oh, have you heard? It's time for vaccinations. I think someone put salt into your tea. They're giving us 11 month vacations and Florida has sunk into the sea. Oh, have you heard? The president has measles. The principal has just burned down the school. Your hair is full of ants and purple weasels. April Fool. 
I had an inkling that you were going to go after that one pretty soon. Well, this is the closest date we have to April 1st. The, hmm. What? I mean, there's a lot of good here. I mean, what if Florida sunk into the sea? That would be pretty great. Although, how mean is would it to be to say that you qualified for a vaccine? <laughs> and it'd be like, April Fool, you're still gonna die. <sighs> what I feel like would have been a punchline 12 months ago is now just blistering reality. <laughs> it would have been great if Trump had gotten the measles. He got his weekly powder blasting of Cheeto dust, so it's not like we would have told, like, who could have told, <laughs> but, you know. Right. <sighs> this is, oh, have you heard? There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Wow, I feel like we're just hearkening back to episode one where it was nothing but QAnon conspiracies. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right. There is a lot of, like tricks and the idea of like oh they're gonna force you to have the vaccinations and the implication of the poem is that you don't really have a choice just as a child doesn't really have a choice whether or not their parents get them vaccinated yeah but in this case it's one of the rare occasions where people actually really do want to get vaccinated but they can't so the trick would be not being hey you have to get vaccinated the mean trick would be like oh you can get vaccinated (laughs) no you can't and you're exactly right like it's presented from a childlike point of view where everything where where you present us an idyllic situation and then april fools rolls around Mm -hmm. and i like being in canada for this situation because canada doesn't have vaccines yeah like they just begged borrowed and stole i think it was 1.5 million vaccines of the astrazeneca version because it's not yet approved in america but it is approved in canada and there's X millions just sitting in warehouses and nothing's happening with them. And Canada's like, please, sir, can we have some of those vaccines? And Biden was like, oh, yes, alms for the poor. Yeah, it's not fair. Someone said it gave a point that uh, he was saying maybe we shouldn't like care so much about people who skip the vaccine line because... The people who are going to lie in order to get their vaccine are going to be the same people who are probably being the riskiest, and that puts us at risk, so better get them vaccinated even though they're assholes. Skipping the line doesn't really bother me so much. Yeah. It doesn't bother me that much, but I don't exactly know how to explain it. And I sort of did skip the line, except that I paid for it like in suffering (laughs) (laughs) you you, you paid for it in your physical health but yeah i know i paid for it in my physical health and mild hypothermia but it's like the notion that i want a vaccine and in fill in the blank location we have excess vaccines but you're not allowed to come here to get that vaccine Oh, that sort of, I don't think that sort of skipping the line anybody cares about. Well, I got my second vaccine recently by... Uh, Congratulations. I know. I, I, uh, my time came around because I was volunteering at some vaccine sites. Well, just one, outdoors at the airport. And I suffered to get it, let me tell you. Uh, I was outside in the cold and rain and wind. And mind you... The Columbia River is pretty windy, and uh, in order to help other people get their vaccines, I was directing traffic to, you know, make sure things went as smoothly as they possibly could, and uh, 
when I got my second vaccine on the way home, I started to, I was not feeling super great. And I was like, you know, it's only been like five hours, five, six hours since I got my second vaccine. That seems a little early to start having a reaction to it. And then I got home and I took my temperature and my temperature was 91, 95.1. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had gotten that, that's so normal. cold during my volunteer shift. I was so miserable and cold. Then I took a hot shower and my temperature climbed to the upper 96. <laughs> upper 96. So you're almost yeah. at human level. Nicely done. Yeah. I, I don't know if I ever ran. I woke up in the middle of the night in so much pain because the vaccine reaction finally kicked in in the middle mm. of the night. And I woke myself up crying because I was in so much pain. But that at least meant Mom. I was able to take some uh, anti-inflammatories. And uh, once those kicked in, I was able to go back to sleep. I don't know if I ever had a fever, but then again, I started at 95.1, so who knows? My mom got her second dose and had a uh, like had a proper miserable reaction. Like she felt like she had the flu for a couple of days, you know, lots of sweating and shivering and all that. And uh, she and she told me this. And my grandmother was due for her second dose like the next day. And so my mom was like, under no circumstances will you tell your grandmother. Because my grandmother has tons of health anxiety. And had she heard that the second dose has a lot more side effects, well, I don't know, maybe we should just wait. Like like she would have hemmed and hawed for ages. And so then my grandma got the second dose and felt nothing. Yeah, I've heard perhaps that uh, some older people feel less terrible than people who are younger than them because younger people have a very reactive immune systems that once you see they see the second vaccine they're like oh my god kill it with fire and that older people don't always have the same reaction and then there's my grandma who has had every disease known to man and you know the vaccine enters her system and it's like well let's throw that one flintstones vitamin at it (laughs) oh boy I remember having a really awkward exchange with one man in uh, when I was doing a volunteer session. He pulled up in his car, and I was supposed to check and make sure everybody was there to get their vaccinations because it was in the economy lot of the airport. And so some people were actually just trying to catch planes. Uh, so we had to check everybody who came through to make sure they weren't in the wrong place. And this man said... Oh, yeah, I'm here to get my vaccine. And then he looks at the empty car seat next to him with a coat that's hanging over this seat. And he said, my mom didn't come, though. She didn't make it. And I looked at him and I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. My my dad didn't make it either. I and mean, he died before he was able to get a vaccine, not of COVID. But, you know, we were all looking forward to it. And he said, oh, no, I mean, she just didn't come. She just decided she wasn't going to come. And I was just like, well, this is awkward. Oh, dear. Yeah, okay. Shots this way. On you go. Yep. (laughs) I also, your description of that organizational situation is wonderful to me. Because imagine you go to the airport to catch a flight and instead are given a shot. 
That would be great, but you everybody had an appointment, so and there was a registration. <laughs> it would be pretty entertaining, though, just to end up vaccinated. Oops, now I won't die. It's great. Hello, I, I'm flying to Costa Rica today, and uh, oh, hello. Oh, thank you. Now I'm extra going to Costa Rica today. I have been vaccinated in an airport before. I was in the Chicago airport one year, and they were just like, get an H1N1 vaccine if you want. And I was like, sure, don't mind if I do. And so I did. All right, so to close us out here, I wanted to make reference to this old boy. And this is The Flying Festoon by Shel Silverstein. Oh, I'm going to ride on the flying festoon. I'll jump on his back and I'll whistle a tune. And we'll fly to the outermost tip of the moon, the flying festoon and I. I'm taking a sandwich and ball and a prune. And we're leaving this evening precisely at noon. For I'm going to fly with the flying festoon. Just as soon as he learns how to fly. And the only reason I mention this one is because we keep bringing up the vaccination process and man, talk about building the plane while you're flying it. Right. Like it does not matter what healthcare system in which you live, you are experiencing a situation where literally no one knows what they're doing and all of the people in charge are barely in charge. And the fact that one thing that has very much gone overlooked is that we have been under this pandemic for a year now, and now there's a vaccine. Like, in 10 years, this will be studied. Right. Well, it's being studied as it's happening. Uh, I definitely had that feeling in my volunteer shifts, but I also got the feeling that everybody was trying their hardest. Like, everybody was just earnestly doing their best, and... It took hours. It takes hours to get through the line, even though you have an appointment, and and uh, there's not always enough people who to, to direct volunteers. So it being my third shift, and even though I had no authority at all, I started to pretend I was in charge at one point, and like it was dismissing volunteers when and making executive decisions to to move cones around and stuff to make things more efficient at some point, because you know we just got to do our best. I think a wonderful part of what you did is it's kind of a strange mirror of what I think a whole lot of people did was take charge when they had no authority to and ultimately did something better. Yeah, I mean, all I was doing is real is towards the end of the night and there were very few people who were coming through the line and I was just like, I am not going to make them go through all of the line thing. I'm just going to cut off all the line, just make cones to go directly to registration and dismiss all the traffic volunteers that are in that like twirly-whirly winding line. The end. I, and this all dovetails very strangely in kind of a self-entitled way. But I was looking at my immigration journey. So when I started this process versus to where I am today getting permanent residency... And the first time, I was fortunate enough that I could contact an immigration lawyer and get an amount of guidance through the process. And I would learn today that since the very first time I emailed the person who would become my immigration lawyer to today when I got permanent residency was 605 days. 
This number is meaningless to me. It's just an interesting number. But when I think back on 605 days ago, where I was and what I was doing, and how none of this could have been foreseen, I wonder what something as simple as this podcast is going to look like 605 days from now. Well, I imagine we might be on uh, another book, probably A Light in the Attic or Falling Up. Probably Light in the Attic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, what happens when we run out of Shel Silverstein? Uh, I mean, then the, I mean, this podcast was never intended to be a thing that goes on forever. It was supposed oh, to no, have... it'll go on forever. Oh, it will? Oh, okay. No, no, it's intended to go on forever. <laughs> we don't know if we know if we'll even make it through oh, all of no. the sidewalk ends. At some point, we might get some like, copyright oh, no, we're issues. Ma- oh, we're making it. Okay. No, no, we're making it. Cool. Who's going to copy? We're not making money off of this. I know, like, and no nobody listens to, to it. But it. at some point, if we're going to go for 605 it, days, I hope somebody's listening to it. Imagine if we had a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have had sponsors, madness. remember? It was like the, the, the cold popcorn or whatever. Oh, yeah, and, like, I've been contacted by McGillicuddy's Coasters. Uh, They want a say, apparently, Um, but I don't agree with their business model. What are you talking about? McGillicuddy's Coasters, the best coasters this side of the Mississippi. If you want a coaster that keeps your drink at exactly room temperature, you need McGillicuddy's Coasters. So it has, like, a heating or cooling element to it? No, it's mostly made of cardboard, but they tell me there's some animal filler. (laughs) Oh, speaking of animals, I think you should describe. Uh, <laughs> I think you should describe Shell's drawing for that last poem, the flying festoon. Oh, the drawing for the flying festoon. Yeah. So the flying festoon is surprisingly similar to something that we talked about a uh, a couple of weeks ago when we waxed poetic for whatever reason about birds. And I have a it, lot it, to it, say it's about birds. Much a life drawing. It, it is pretty much a life drawing of a Canada goose. Like, this thing is obviously unhinged. Uh, it has five fingers like a man. They are webbed. Um, the beak is entirely too long. The ears are vaguely elephantine. And there is It a has ears. Small, That's pretty strange. There's a small being clinging to its back tenaciously with one fist thrown in the air as though they were riding Falcor from The NeverEnding Story. They're kind of falling off, it looks like. I'm going to go with tenaciously clinging. Fair. (laughs) Well, as we close out here, Lauren, do you have anything uplifting to tell our listeners? I'm going to Hawaii, suckers. (laughs) And with that, thank you for listening to Shall We Read a Poem? (laughs) That's an asshole thing. (laughs) 